Okay, welcome to episode 5 of the Chemical Balance Podcast. I'm your acting host for today, Mike Tui, in absence of Boomer. We got here the usual suspects with us, Adam Briggio, say hello. Hello, hello. And uh, Danny Haverty may or may not be here this time. What do you say, Havs? What up? All right, off to a great start. Today we have a very special guest joining us on the podcast, Mr. Ryan Patnode, a.k.a. Noder. Say hello to the people. So, Noder, we're very excited to have you on the podcast for the first time. We've already mentioned you multiple times in different lists and conversations, but tell us a little bit about yourself. What are you doing these days? How'd you get into WIFs? Yeah, so I've been in it a long time, kind of grew up uh, playing in my backyard, uh, building stadiums, kind of became a thing in our town. Uh, You know, as one person put up snow fence in their backyard, it kind of spread out to another friend I played football with and another friend um, and one of our friends that I played football with, I kind of had an annual summer tournament. Um, and that's kind of where the Wiffleholics were born. Uh, I think it would have been 2000. Um, we played in that. It was kind of a rite of passage for a few years playing in that tournament. Uh, every year, even coming back from college uh, and playing with it. And I played with my cousins uh, in that tournament usually. Um, and they're kind of the initial uh, Wiffleholics. Then kind of moving to college, there was this... Um, site that people used to post on your you could post your current team or individual players and it had tournaments uh wiffle net and that's where uh gary made a post that he was looking for another player to go down to jersey uh to the new jersey association uh, wiffle ball tournament so he kind of held a tryout i showed up i tried out you know as gary kind of the first time you meet him, you know, he didn't really let on, you know, <laughs> how he was doing or what was, you know. What did a, what did a like, Gary Lavoy tryout look like in 2000? Like kind of ran me through the ringer. I had a pitch to him, you know, I hit a little bit, it's really kind of playing at the close, but then, uh, you know, maybe an hour after we've done everything, he's like, well, you're the only one that <laughs> responded to my, uh, <laughs> you know, I think he, you know, he wanted a vet. He didn't want to say, "Hey, yeah, uh, come down before uh, you know." He saw me play a little bit, mm-hmm. um, so he invited me down. We headed down uh, there. I think it was the first time that he had ever gone with a three man because uh, it was just usually his uh, himself and uh, his cousin Ethan. Uh, so we went down there, um, did pretty well. Uh, came one spot of actually getting getting in the money in the final four and being able to stay there the next night because the tournament, I mean, we were in the finals and it was like seven, seven thirty or something. Uh, so it was a long drive back. One of many back from New York, uh, kind of the first time doing it back tired after a full day of wiffle ball back to, uh, New Hampshire. Was that the summer showdown? It was, I think it was actually the, cause we were in call in school. So it was the fall one. So oh, like, the wiffle fest. I think it used used to yeah. be called so it was a little less teams because um i know the summer showdown they had gone that year too uh and it was more teams but there still was maybe 30 teams or something uh we played 
Um, because Gary was actually a he could throw strikes, so that was kind of key back in you know, it's always key right now, but back then, uh, he threw strikes. Um, so it was the first time I played, first game I pitched, I won, but we were playing like a you know, a newer team, or you know, I mean, they're all kind of backyards, there was a few serious mm-hmm. teams there, but you know, they kind of just swinging at everything, and then the next game I pitched, um. They probably were a little more, you know, seasoned and they um, took a lot. So, I mean, I remember that game was like in the 20s. We scored a lot of runs off that. Oh, I was walking the house, you know, and then when I walk him, lob it over. And uh, so, you know, they weren't swinging like, you know, the first team did. And then st- we're one and one. And then Gary pitched, to, you know, he might have pitched five or six games after that. We had to, you know, it was only double elimination. We won and made it up. Uh, to fifth place and if we won the last game we would have been in fourth and in the money i know when they gave the money um so but he was a pretty good uh pitcher you know so this is like before 603 uh yeah well this was actually so 603 was the first competitive team i played on and it was in can't remember if it was 2003 or two I want to think say it was three because then the next year, I think in 2004, Gary started running the fast plastic in the northern New England. And that's when uh, I started playing uh, with my team, the Whiffolics. And obviously 603 was there as well. Um, but it was 603, yeah, because he had gone down maybe two or three years before that each tournament with his uh, with his cousin, Ethan. Um, so he'd been playing six. Uh, yeah. The, the New Jersey ones were always ones I wanted to get to, but never did Habs, Did you ever play in any of those? The New Jersey ones? Yeah. Uh, Wiffle Fest or the summer showdown. No, I didn't play in either of those. I actually wanted to play in, um, what, that was the one with the like orange backstops, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I, that was, uh, I wanted to play in that one, but I think it was like the last year they had, it was like. Probably like the 2010, first year, I think. Like, what's up? I think it was like 2010. Yeah. So, like, I was that was before my time, barely. Yeah, I remember yeah. seeing those on yard work and being like, "Oh man, I want to go play in those." <laughs> I might if they, if they did do one since 2010, I might have played in one of the last ones. Um, I went down there and uh, played it again. You know, about 10 years after, or no, maybe not 10 years, but. After that, uh, it was either 10 or 11. But, yeah, I don't think they've had it uh, since then. Yeah. Uh, but it was pretty fun, just the size of it, um, you know, just how many teams he, he'd get out there uh, was pretty fun. There was scuffing back then, right? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely In those scuffing. tournaments? Um, you know, kind of even started, probably not many people know this, Um they actually changed the wiffle ball and made it harder what it is today in, uh, I want to say 04. So back prior to 04, um, the ball was like paper thin, especially when you scuffed it, the ball really didn't go anywhere and people used to step on it and you could kind of mash it. Um, so I didn't know that ball came out and kind of really helped offense. I'd say, well, it's it's actually a lot harder than it was, uh, you know, prior to that, maybe Oh three Oh four. 
And uh, I know some people used to try to get away with using the uh, old ball, uh, but that was kind of in the rules that you had to have uh, the new ball, and it has its, you know, uh, serial number today. Mm -hmm. But there was uh, there was still scuffing uh, back then. Uh, yeah. So that was kind of the first tournament, and then the Wiffleholics really started uh, in uh, 2004, just playing uh, fast plastic in the northern region. There was a southern New England region, um, and we only played um, in that that region that year. We we didn't qualify for Texas. Um, you know, many teams went down there from New England uh, that year. Um, so you know, it's definitely our goal in '05. Uh, to make it down there. Um, we really weren't in a place to be anywhere close to it. Um, kind of lost my friends and cousins off playing off the team as you know, many people do kind of when you're not winning, mm -hmm. um, they kind of trickle out. Um, but I was able in 05 to pick up, uh, Eric Stevenson, which many people know, um, you know, kind of Nick T gave me a tip on him. He, I, golden stick was, you know, kind of new and I know he kind of played in there. So kind of hooked up with him. And then another golden stick that Lou gave me, probably not many people know, uh, you know, his exit off of uh, the Wolfaholics was kind of dramatic, but uh, you know, older people might know he, he always wore baseball pants when he played. It was, um, so he's kind of the one person to wear baseball pants. Get uh, <laughs> Gino uh, played the whole, most of the season with us. Um, and, and then we also got Brian Adams uh, when um, he was still in high school um, and he kind of joined the Wiffleholics. And in that 05 season, uh, there was two regions, Northern New England, Southern New England. And the top two teams from each region uh, automatically qualified for Texas. Mm -hmm. And... Um, instead of having two, cause it was mostly the same teams that played in Northern New England and Southern New England. We just had one big tournament and then we'd kind of be deemed that the final four would get the auto bids. Uh, and we were able to pull upset on, uh, you know, a boomer led uh, team golden stick blue, uh, who's, you know, one of the top five teams in the nation. And we upset them to make it in the, that final four and got our auto bid to Texas. Um, so it kind of, you know, weren't planning to go kind of scrambled, but didn't know if we'd actually get to go because, uh, we kind of relied on Brian Adams getting there and getting a third, uh, mm -hmm. he was able to make it and come, um, you know, as a, uh, he says he's 60, I guess he knows his age better. I think he said he was 16. I thought he was like 17, 18, but, mm -hmm. uh, he, he says he's 16. So, uh, take him at his word that, um, so that was the first year we got to make it. That must have been a different atmosphere, having to fight just to make it to go to nationals. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really think we were gonna make it. So, I mean, we go to play the, you know, playoff tournament. Didn't really think we were gonna make it. Uh, had a marathon game, our first game um, that we lost with against Painter. Um, I think we won like ten innings. So. And I was the only one pitching because actually Brian wasn't there that day that uh, we threw the upsets um, and we needed, well, maybe we didn't need, we might've been able to play with two in Texas, but obviously uh, Stevenson wasn't really a pitcher. Uh, mm -hmm. So we kind of needed to add Brian to come uh, that year, but 
yeah, weren't really expecting it, but kind of lost the first game and then worked our way back through the bracket uh, and won it. Um, you know, Blue had to, uh, you know, didn't pitch Boomer, their top pitcher, uh, kind of went with their number two uh, just to try to save them because they still had to, you know, they were trying to win the whole tournament. So they knew they kind of have to throw them a few more games after that. Um, but we were kind of able to upset them and get the auto bid and able to put it together because it was only, you know, maybe a month away uh, from getting us down to Texas. So um, kind of able to scrap up the money. I was still pretty young too, just my first year out of college. So scrapped up the money and uh, got us to Texas. So it was pretty surreal getting off the plane and, uh, you know, with your bat bag and knowing you're there to play with <laughs> football. Yeah, I feel like that's a big misconception too because you're a quiet guy. A lot of people don't know that you are the owner of the Wiffleholics. I mean, I played, I've played on the Wiffleholics twice in my career, and one of those times you weren't even on the team. Like uh, people thought it's Painter or Belanger. Yeah, no, it was, um, you know, after the 06 season, uh, Brian Adams and Stevenson kind of joined other teams. So then I was on other teams for a few years and not the Wiffleholics, uh, but then hooked back up with Painter and then he, you know, Many people know uh, Wes, he brought, you know, he had uh, this kid in his town that played college baseball. Uh, so he kind of brought him along. And then that's in 2010, we started the uh, Wiffleholics backup. Um, so played with them until, uh, you know, Wiffleball was kind of dying out. Uh, it's kind of getting a little burned out of it. Um, you know, having to do a lot of, a lot of travel, um, kind of always playing the same people. So in 13, I didn't play, but they kept the Wiffleholics name going for, uh, you know, many years after mm -hmm. I stopped playing. Um, you know, and uh, you were with me, actually, a little known fact, I've actually pitched against the Wiffleholics. They beat me, but 0-1 uh, against actually my own team. <laughs> when I we kind of played the throwaway, uh, put-together team uh, one year in 14, um, but yeah, Painter and Wax. Uh, Beehive? Alex going. Yeah. Which was yeah. a miserable day. It rained. That was. Um, yeah. I mean, felt bad. I wasn't really, I was just going there mostly to drink and see my friends. I hadn't played in two years. So mm -hmm. it was a little rough, a uh, little rusty. Um, but um, yeah, then one, you know, it's kind of started coming back and Texas started coming back. Then I kind of came back into it. I feel like with a lot of people. Um, came back into it. Um, so and it was good to be able to start the Wiffleholics back up. Yeah, I, I think having a, a big national tournament really draws more people to want to come back and play, even if you've been out for a while, or draw new people towards the game, as opposed to you know having a smaller national with lots of throw-together teams and things like that. It's not quite as exciting. Yeah, no, I think that's what you know I found and. You know, they had to travel and they're playing the same people over and over again. And the kind of regular season didn't seem as exciting when uh, the, the year end, the national only had a few teams. And it's kind of. Especially if you're playing the same guys in the regular season and then at nationals. Oh, it's yeah. just, and it's no different. It was, you know, kind of, uh, it was pretty much just the Northeast uh, kind of in that 13 and 14 season. Uh, yeah. You know, it kind of died. Uh, you know, died down a lot. A lot of the excitement was back in the fast plastic heyday, um, and kind of 
interluded a little bit, uh, you know, myself playing, but a lot of the kind of media I've done is, um, you know, watching the scores and the tournament results because you're always kind of fighting for points, especially a team like us, the Wiffleholics. Uh, you know, we're right on that cusp of actually qualifying. Um, so it was, you know, watching the scores and the, the tournament results from, you know, other places around the uh, country, you know, waiting to come in for California and hoping, you know, one of the teams you're kind of even with points in doesn't, uh, doesn't perform well. And, um, kind of always watching that around the country and, you know, the rankings, uh, you know, after every tournament was uh, kind of exciting too. When, um, you know, flash black was, was kind of in its heyday in, you know, kind of when it's heyday, we kind of started, um, you know, along with a few other people, kind of a, a lot of the media stuff um, early in the game. Um, you know, Brock uh, and uh, Jim Ballion started uh, the West Coast Wiffle Report, which was an internet radio. I guess, you know, something similar to a podcast, mm-hmm. uh, except you probably have to go to the website to listen to it. Or, you know, we used to get a few live listeners. Um, I would usually join them uh, weekly uh during the Wiffle season and we would just talk everything Wiffle um, like, you know, like many of these podcasts and on this podcast we're doing and just kind of the results. They were the what two West coast, um, you know, kind of experts. And I kind of provided the East coast um, expertise on the show. Um, so at that for a couple of years, uh, you know, we actually broadcast the uh, 603s national championship live on the internet radio think maybe we got up to uh you know five or six live listeners on it but uh it's out there somewhere and uh, <laughs> you can hear a little bit of glimpse of uh you know myself calling the uh, game and yard work uh there as well um and and then kind of the, the most uh you know well-known thing in the media was myself and rob cotter uh you know both of our teams usually were out of the uh finals in new england um by the time the finals rolled around. So uh, he would always bring his video camera. We'd set up behind uh, center field, have a few beers and comment on the game. Uh, and it was a uh, kind of a lot of laughs, uh, you know, a lot of comedy in the calling of the game, but uh, we got a lot of feedback from, um, you know, around the uh, Wiffle community that they, you know, couldn't wait for those videos to come out, uh, you know, that week after the tournament, uh, each of our new England tournaments and, uh, to sit down and watch them. And that's where many of the uh, older great plays, uh, you know, some of Pat Leahy's uh, spectacular catches, uh, you know, some of the big home runs by Matty Griff and Stoop. Uh, those highlights uh, came from uh, Rob and myself and Rob uh, filming uh, all the championship games there in uh, New England. Yeah, it's crazy how much footage it's just scattered in cyberspace i wish we had one channel or spot where all of it was just accumulated and you can go back through the years see whatever you want um footage out there i know i've seen a few of his cut-ups but he has a lot more and i'm not even sure if he used to always post it on youtube or i don't know where else where people would view it but uh, Mm -hmm. there's tons more video of all those games out there somewhere i got a question for either one of you 
as a fan, like as like a video production, where is like if you're at a game, where is the best spot to watch the game, to film the game? Like there's a lot of like controversy, like whether the camera or whoever goes like beyond the wall, behind home plate, like where do you think is the best place to take in some of the best talent like that the game has to offer? Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, maybe controversy just distracted, but I think it's because you usually watch baseball and the camera is always uh, behind the pitcher in center field. And that's probably, I think, the best spot, um, especially kind of get the view of the full zone and kind of really the ball working in to the, uh, to the hitter. Um, you know, obviously behind the plate kind of gives you a perspective of uh, – what the hitter's seeing, but you kind of obviously lose a little bit of uh, visibility um, just when you're staring at the uh, back of the zone. Yeah, especially with the backstop too, there's always going to be blind spots from behind the zone, but it's a great location to change to. Like I like primary camera behind the pitcher, especially in whiffs because you can see the movement on everything, but switching up to behind the plate every now and then is perfect, but I, I wouldn't want that full time. What do you think, Brigio? You're the media man, so how do you feel about that? Oh, well, I mean, I feel like when the camera's in the outfield, you lose a lot of like what like if if there's actually hits in the game, you lose them. Like as soon as it hits the bat and goes in the outfield, you have no idea where it goes. Mm-hmm. As soon as it leaves the infield, you have no idea where it goes. At least like I I know for mo- the most part, most of the leagues right now are switching to like the see-through backstops and like the lacing kind of material rather mm-hmm. than like the black mesh that we've used for 30 years now. So I feel like behind the plate has to have at least priority over most of the game just due to you can see the whole field no matter kind of what happens and that's just my opinion on it, but no, that is true. It's a lot, especially when a ball's barreled up. You get to see where it goes, not just that it's in the air and disappears. What we really need, and I'm seeing this pop up uh, on ads a lot, as for other sports, is some of I don't I don't know how well it works, but some of these cameras are supposedly are able to, uh, you know, without a user, be able to follow uh, the player, the ball, you know. I think wiffle ball probably move too fast when you hit it, but mm. if you ever had one of those cameras that would automatically be able to follow the ball. Um, you know, it's kind of the, yeah, they kind of uh, show up a lot on uh, my feed for other sports of, you know, being able to fall hockey or soccer, um, you know, promote them some for baseball. I don't know. Wiffle yeah. ball might be too light and too fast to actually track, but you know, that would obviously be something ideal. Yeah. Speaking of footage, I mean, everyone not named the Jugs and the Phenoms are waiting for for lots of it. So hopefully sometime soon we'll get that. Yeah, it's definitely uh, great to relive. And, you know, especially when you're playing a lot, you don't always get to see all the other games. Uh, So it's definitely uh, fun and um, to be able to see some of the other big moments in the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. So, Noter, you've been playing wiffle ball, obviously, for a long time. I'm 
curious to get your opinion on when you think the peak of Wiffle was. I gotta say, you know, it was... And I'm talking competition, not like venue, tournament, one-on-one. When was the toughest competition? Ooh, the... Well, I guess if we're going competition, I think, you know, I think there's been two peaks. There was probably 05 when we had 40 teams and, you know, people were fighting for to get into those 40 teams. Um, you know, there was actually the Chico Bamboos got like in a large, large bid because, you know, the 40th team decided not to come at the last minute and they came and, you know, they made it to a run to the final four. So you could kind of see the level of competition that, you know, they, they hadn't even qualified for the national tournament and almost, uh, you know, made a run to the final four, but mm-hmm. competition now, I, I think it's gotta be, it's actually, that's crazy. actually crazy. Um, yeah, that was a crazy run by them. Um, you know, they, uh, they didn't have enough points and they didn't get the automatic qualification to make it to the 40, but, uh, the Chico bamboo is kind of one of the greatest, uh, you know, Cinderella runs, um, in the national tournament, but I actually think the competition probably got to say now, um, I think a lot of these teams are just getting squeezed. Um, and you know, some teams might complain, but I think the competition is just getting tougher that a lot of these top teams are running into each other in the round of 16 or, you know, even the round of 24. Uh, so I think the competition is it's right now. Yeah, and I obviously haven't been playing as long as you, but from when I started to now, I just feel like the quality of the competition is so much more than it used to be. There are so many more good players on good teams. You don't really get any cakewalks, especially at Nationals. There's really few and far between easy games. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think it's now. I think, uh, you know, uh, even here in East Coast Wiffle, uh, some of the new teams, um, you know, they're kind of still struggling, but they're competing, and they're a lot better than new teams that used to show up. Uh, I ran the region for three years in New England, uh, and I get new teams out all the time. I, You know, I probably have one or two a tournament, and only two teams ever out of, you know, the 20 new teams I ever got there stayed or and wherever even really had a talent, they'd get, you know, killed when they came out. Uh, so I think people watching online, understanding that, you know, they have to throw to a board, they have to throw strikes. Um, they're a lot better prepared coming into these tournaments. And I we think we've seen a, that with some of the new teams, uh, you know, at nationals, but also here that, uh, in East Coast Wiffle, uh, the you know teams that didn't go to nationals, but um, they got some pretty good talent and kind of a better understanding of what they need to do to compete. Yeah, and the amount of times that you can walk around the field now and notice someone and say, "Wow, what is that guy's name?" Like, it's unbelievable the amount of hard throwing, good pitchers, good hitters that are around right now. Yeah, and I mean even that. You know, U seventeen tournament. You're kind of looking like are they on the U seventeen tournament, or are they? Uh, yeah, some of those kids are throwing pretty good. Yeah, and a couple of them were like, 
you know, tall too. I mean, there was one lefty. There was, uh, I think from the flamingos. There was, uh, you know, I don't know, close to six feet. So, yeah, love it. Good competition always makes for good whiffs, good content to go out into the world. Hopefully, get even more people coming our way. So, I think now we're gonna transition to a little topic to talk about in honor of baseball free agency and all of these crazy contracts that are getting handed out, but especially in honor of Rafael Devers for our fellow Red Sox fans who just signed an 11-year deal. Our question for everyone here tonight is, in wiffle ball, who under 25 years of age would you give an 11-year deal to right now? Reggio, you want to take it? Yeah, sure. So, I'm not sure exactly how old this kid is, but uh, I watched him pitch the the NCT for the North Stars in that first game against Black Dog. He, uh, pretty impressive. I mean, the first time I played for 603, we played the North Stars. He this kid was not there, but he definitely he definitely caught my eye. His name's Will Grass, and for it's a wiffle name right there, Will Grass. There you go. That is a great wiffle name. Uh, and I'm just reading, he was on the drop 100 at number 92 and for October, I mean, he, he nearly upset black dog, which who was considered to be a favorite. I mean, going into the tournament and I mean, I, I think he went to extra innings, I believe like it came just down to the wire. Yeah, I think they went to extra innings. Yeah, I think they won a couple extra innings. Maybe seven or something, if I remember right. Six or seven. And to hold that line up like, to a one swing of the bat kind of game, it's pretty impressive. So I got to give it to Will Grass. Love it. Who else we got? What do you got? Haves, unborn child. Did you say halves? Yeah. Oh, my bad. Who do you got, man? My bad, Noda. I can barely hear you, bro. Um, I probably. Under 25, I'd probably take Stan. Is Stan under 25? Yeah, he's younger than me. I'm 23, so. All right. How about not yet accomplished <laughs> players? <laughs> not uh, someone that already has two fucking one. national titles. <laughs> I mean, dog, you asked me the question. I gave you an answer. That's fair. Maybe 25 was too old. Injury prone, though. That's a risk, though. This, bro, he sucks. I wouldn't pitch him anyways. I'm just talking as a bat. Like 11 years of that bat, any lineup, you know? Yeah, that's a good one. It's a good stat team. Definitely not Dougie Baker. No, definitely not Dougie. Yeah, I didn't know Stant was that young. Because um, mine one, I, I mean, I was thinking, I'm going Jackson Richards. Richardson from Punishment. That's a good one. Oh, yeah, I like that. And... My reasoning is because uh, usually pitching can flame out and arms are, uh, you know, tentative, uh, you know, and hitting uh, usually prevails. Uh, you know, m- most of the uh, better hitters are are older and uh, get with age. So that would be mine. Uh, but the no stamp was that young. <laughs> yeah, Hev's, Hev's really shook it up with the top pick, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. What about you, Tui? Who do you got? Well, there's a lot of good young whifflers out there, but 
I don't care about the backlash. I'm going to be a homer, and I'm picking Mr. Adam Briggio, who's <laughs> fictionally sitting across from me right now. I don't know uh, about that one, though. You don't know about Briggio? Are you kidding me? Dude, he, we just saw him get injured, though. I don't know. I was back and better than ever. Than injuries at such a young age scare me, you know? Stacked with uh, injury shoulder, shoulder uh, injuries. <laughs> no, I'm learning how to hit lefty over the off season, so I'll be just fine. I'm gonna have to see a physical before I co-sign that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? I remember a few years back, Brigio. I think you were still playing high school baseball, and it was like you guys had been, you and Lopes had been around for a couple years at this point, but this summer you had shown up and you were raking everyone off the field and I forget if it was Maddie or DNAP saying, well, what the hell is kids taking 300 swings a day playing high school baseball and then shows up here to play all of our old asses and hit us around the park. <laughs> but uh, you really continued that trend and I'm sure your shoulder is going to be fine. Not only are you a great hitter, but you can pitch. I, I think, uh, I think 11 years would be good with me. I appreciate that. Have you got anyone other than Stan? Uh, yeah, Stant costs too much right now. That would, that would yeah, that's like a max deal. I yeah, mean, we need a little bit more, uh, you know, hometown friendly. Ball. We need money ball. Nah. How about I? I got one for him. All right, here we go. Sawyer Bean. He played with uh, KWL, also an MLW kind of guy, and uh, I think he's like eighteen. Oh, is I he think- the kid with the flow? Yeah, he was. He was watching our game against the Stompers. Oh, yeah, yeah. He went nuts when Havs hit a dinger. Yeah, he did. <laughs> but, I mean, I think he was the youngest person competing in the, like, top bracket. So, I mean, to be, that, to be eight, like, 18 or whatever, competing in the kind of best of the best has got to be something worth uh, noting there. Yeah, definitely. He's on the Cobras, right? I think uh, so, I yeah. So. They yeah, so they, they lost the World nice. Series. Yeah. yeah. He looks good, too. He throws, I don't know if it's a like, curveball or a drop that he throws, but he's a good little pitcher. I like it. That's a good one, Bridge. Got to respect the flow, too. All right, well, I think that's probably going to wrap up our free agency wiffle ball topic for the day. Before we say goodbye... I know Danny Haverty has a, a lightning question of the day that he has kept under wraps but wants to talk about. So, Danny, whenever you want to let that go, fire away. So, with the new with the new 603 roster out, as everyone knows, I don't know if everyone really knows what 603 is, but 603 is the area code of New Hampshire. On our current roster... We have zero people living in New Hampshire. Wrong. That's wrong. That's. F- I am one. You're in college. Come on, bud. I also <laughs> have a house that's listed in New Hampshire. Bud, I'm just saying. I think personally. Which is avoiding taxes in Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. Don't be, don't be letting everyone know your schemes and everything on here. My money laundering. Yeah. You got to keep that for the. You got to let Gary know about that stuff. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I do know uh, have soft take now. But 
I've been calling 603 frauds for a, a couple of years, you know? I think I, a lot of people have. I think it's a fraud. I think 603 is a fraud. I think I think we need to put our foot down and change the team name to High Rollers. I mean, when you think about I'm it, right? we have three right we have three High Rollers on the team. We have yeah, three me High and Jeff Rollers are outnumbered now. now. You're Jeff and out. Yeah, you know what? You're you're saying it, not me. <laughs> I mean, just, shit, it'd make, it'd make more sense to flop with the Wiffleholics and have them be 603. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. They have way more 603 guys. It's a good point. I, I think we look a little silly. Scandal, you know? Like, I think we look... I think... Inside the territory. I think we look silly, you know? How about we put a poll to the people, see, see what they yeah, think. I think that's a great idea, Bridge. I think it's a great idea, but there's a bunch of haters out there. <laughs> they don't want the high rollers to come back, have so. yeah. They, they don't want the high rollers back. <laughs> and also, don't don't tell Gary. <laughs> Gary's not gonna listen to this. No, you're probably right. We're still waiting on the announcement. Just show up with different jerseys. The Boston Wiffle Club, you know, get new colors. Skittle Squad. I'll never know. You know. I'm just saying though. What's your thoughts on that bridge? Uh, you got a good point, but I don't like that. What? It's nice wearing red and black. I'm telling you that. Not if you're a ginger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. So that's your problem. <laughs> that's fair. You know, I gotta say, I missed the Notre Dame colors with the high rollers. I loved that scheme. The shorts today. But. You know, I was a little skeptical. I didn't want to play for 603 at first because so many years of losing to him and hating him from the sideline. But uh, I I got to say, I loved the all black and red on Saturday night. It was pretty clean. Loved that. It was aight. <laughs> you were aight. It was aight. All right. We'll talk about it off air. Gary, Gary's not even going to listen to this, and he's just going to send us some cryptic message about the roots of 603. <laughs> Habs, do you understand the ancestors you're disrespecting? Cause turmoil for the whole season, you know? I'm not trying to cause any bad luck for him. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, we already caught him last week. I don't even think he knows. Who, Gary or me? Gary. Oh, yeah. Oh, we did cut Gary last week, yeah. It had to be done. Valid point. No, no, six oh three, not Bridges vacation home. Can't claim. <laughs> yeah, you got to get out of Massachusetts. Although I would gladly come back, and I will. When? As soon as I'm able to, man. Done with school. Oh. I'm getting the hell out of Arizona. Right. Hey. Jordan came here for the BLW tournament, and he's telling me how beautiful it is, and I'm like. Nah, man, you haven't lived here. This place sucks. <laughs> what, Arizona? <laughs> yeah. East Coast is where it's at. Always will be. You're an East Coast kid. The winters suck out here, man. Knock on wood, because it's yeah. been pretty good. It's been good this year. All right, anybody got any hot takes to drop before we say goodbye to everybody? I do. All right, hit this bridge. Yeah, I got an announcement. I cannot say the full details, but I got to say, keep 
uh, watch on our Instagram and our social media pages because that we do have our first official partnership. I cannot disclose the name of it yet, but we do have one, and it will affect the Wiffle world. Wow. Stay tuned. <laughs> spoiler, Stay tuned. spoiler alert, it's not DNAP. It's not DNAP. This sounds a lot like Gary. <laughs> no, but mine's I'm, real. Mine's on real. next week's episode. <laughs> of next week's Hopefully. episode, Hopefully. things that happen. It's about 99% done. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for listening to episode five of the Chemical Balance podcast. We hope to have you back again for more. Take it easy, everybody. Thanks, guys. Yep. <laughs>